As you can see, we uh, slowed things a bit with nobody from up river here, right? I guess. Nobody snuck in. Anyway, it's more of a senior crowd, so I don't want to take those of you who are voted this afternoon or today and know it's a bit nasty out there. On Saturday, we, we were talking about, um, and there was an emphasis on be, being the first to step up, and in particular when there's a need. First, first off, you you be led by the Spirit. Don't you know? Don't move on your own. But um, there there is frequently a need among us to to have an answer to be to be what you need to be to balance or to take the heat off of the moment or just to, you know when, when the right word is spoken in the right circumstances it just it just makes a huge difference when you've experienced that and I referenced prayer as a means um, been what the Lord is speaking to me the need to and Ted coined it the day before maybe here Wednesday retreat back retreat to prayer Prayer is an effective weapon, and we talked about that this morning. But it's just one avenue and one means of which, by which a breach can be closed. But we want to talk about that this tonight, um, so you can think about it during uh, worship. But um, how do how do you know how do you respond when there's a need to cover somebody? Because you know, that's really what a, a breach does. When you look at the examples in the, in the Word, it, it really the heart of it was to cover somebody. You know, that, that's exposed. And when you're exposed, frequently you don't see yourself. <coughs> you don't see yourself clearly like somebody else can. And, uh, anyway, it says here that And they, shall, and they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places, thou shalt raise up the foundations of, the many, of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach. I love it. The restorer of paths to dwell in. Where you and I move in a ministry of really reconciliation and restoration. And that, you know, I'm not talking about like glaring division, glaring breaches. I mean, just in our day to day, you know, relationships that, that we take that ministry of, of uh, reconciliation, however the Lord would, would want us to move. So without any further verbiage here, let's ask the Lord to help us with this and, and speak to us however he wants to. Okay. All right. Thank you.
topic for us. <clears throat> um, and start with a story that I know I told before, maybe a long time ago. So maybe. But um, I wasn't there when this happened. I was, this was in Colombia, but when we, the farms were closing and uh, the guerrillas um, came in and basically invaded a couple of the farms. My sister Amelia and her brother Ronnie were there. Uh, the one time when the guerrillas came in at night and uh, they started uh, getting everybody together. Uh, they rang the bell of the tabernacle, which that meant everybody <coughs> gathered. Uh, that's what we used for all the meals. Uh, we rang the bell and we knew it was uh, meal time or service time. Not everybody had a watch. So that's how we got the word out. Um, anyway, so they rang the bell eight or nine in the evening, I guess. Um, and um, everybody started gathering. And uh, the guerrilla started going around to all the different houses to uh, make sure that everybody was moving that way. And so word got out that, you know, they were the ones that were trying to get everybody together. By that time, something similar had happened at one of the other farms where they tried to, uh, they did that, got everybody in a small house and tried to burn the house. Um, so this one brother, family, he stood in his house, he stayed in his house in his living room and got his shotgun out and was gonna blast whoever opened that door. And his daughter, they, they had two, two kids, uh, his daughter was uh, 12, 13 years old, and she stood in front of him and said, if you shoot anybody, it's going to be me first. Um, because she knew the danger that that would bring if he only fired that gun, even if she, he didn't kill anybody. Just that would have put everybody at high alert. She was 12 or 13. Um, but, you know, by this time, things had been happening and, you know, we, they knew that, that things were serious. Some of the farms had started to close and actually that was one of the farms, the last farms that where finally people left. Um, and um, anyway, that's a pretty good picture there of uh, standing in the gap <laughs> to protect um, your brothers, the, your family, those who you live with. And um, uh, I don't know that she had a full picture of everything that was happening, but she knew the danger that that would bring to not just her family, but the whole farm, uh, if anything like that had, had happened. And um, just not to leave you hanging <laughs> uh, with that story, they did manage to get everybody at the tabernacle. And um, while they did that, they went ahead and robbed anything that was valuable out of the, all the houses. And um, that was the one farm where we had this one uh, prize boat. It was a, a high-speed boat that we used only for when the ministry came so we could get them from the Upper River Farms to the Down River Farms in one day as opposed to five or six days of traveling day and night. Um, anyway, they stole all that, took it with them, and that, that's the end of that story, kind of. Anyway, um, but I was thinking about that when Richard started talking about... Um, you know, putting yourself there in the gap when you see a need uh, and not being afraid of, of uh, 
the repercussions of what might happen. Uh, but if anything, uh, maybe you will get hurt <laughs> some, but uh, the, you might actually help the situation more than the damage that it will cause. If you see a breach and don't allow yourself to be a part of closing it up. Uh, and you know, that's, God is the only one that can really heal and, and close gaps, but he does expect um, us to, to, uh, to make the sacrifice of, uh, of covering for one another. Uh, and I think that, you know, he demonstrated that with his own son. If it wasn't for him showing that example, we wouldn't have a life. We wouldn't have salvation. We wouldn't have a recourse to him if it wasn't that he put in his own son so that you and I could have life. Um, you know, and, and he died uh, for that sacrifice. But, uh, but he lived and he brought more life to the whole world. Uh, by that act, um, so I don't. God doesn't take this thing lightly. Of, of, a, of if you see something that you put yourself in there to help cover, um, and that may be all you're trying to do. But you know, God moves. Then He has an opportunity to move and actually close things up or redeem things in the right way. Um, we can't do that. Um, you know, and we use that excuse, well, I can't do anything about that. Uh, you know, it's not my place, it's so-and-so, or, or whatever. And those, all those excuses are fine and might be true from time to time, but it takes, it, it, it steals an opportunity from you to be able to give an opportunity for God to move through you and in you in a circumstance like that. And, um, you know, I, <clears throat> I was thinking about this. Richard mentioned that earlier and uh, actually thought about this scripture last week when, or Saturday when he talked about it. But we all remember um, it, it, their numbers when the people were complaining about the giants in the land. And, um, you know, they were in uproar about it. And um, um, it, it's in Numbers 14. <coughs> And, um, you know, the, the people were saying, why did you bring us out here? This wasn't even worth it. We might as well have died in Egypt. And let's just get someone that can take us back over there. And it says that uh, Aaron and Moses fell on their faces before the people. Um, and, um, you know, of all of everybody there, I think those should probably, in our perspective, would have been the last two people that you, would, you thought would have done that because they had dealt with this generation for 40 years now or however many years and knew the pain in the rear that they were, just like many of us. But they still stood, you know, they still went on their faces. But what caught my attention was... Um, uh, in verse uh, <coughs> I think it's around so verse 11 it says that um, you know they pleaded Joshua pleaded with the people and said don't do this don't rebel um, 
the verse 10 of chapter 14, the people are um, about to stone them. <laughs> and um, then it says, the end of uh, verse 10, it says, and the, Lord, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the children said unto Moses, How long will this people... And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them. I will smite them with a pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. You know, that might have been a pretty good option there for Moses. <laughs> pretty good out right there. It says, And Moses said unto the Lord, you know, then he told them, well, you, you don't want to do that because then the Egyptians will say, well, you were never really their God. And uh, it's, it's almost funny when you're reading this because it's almost as if God didn't know all these things. Um, when, when Moses is telling him all the things that, that you know, like, God, you don't really want to do this. And, and he starts telling him all the reasons. Um, and um, verse 15, it says, Now if you shall kill all, the, all these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of the fame of thee will speak, saying, because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he swore unto them. Therefore he had slain them in the wilderness. And now I beseech thee, and this is what I want to get to. This is not a recipe, but it's a good reminder for us. If you pray for each other with this kind of a heart, because Moses had to have had a heart for God in order for him to be able to pray like this. And, and I think this is what God is trying to put in us is the kind of heart that you know it's not hurt by what they were to him you know they were a pain they said things about Moses they said things about God they said things about the food they said everything they had a complaint with did not take personal offense he because he was looking to God not to the people right and if, if that is what your heart is, if your heart is to be right with Him, you can put up with a lot. And then a lot will be straightened out. Because it's not about you, although it is. But it's about God and you. And He takes care of each other, although we need to be taken care of as well. But God does that. So it's then the Lord... Um, <clears throat> I was going to read verse 17, right? And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great according as thou hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people according unto the greatness of thy mercy. And as thou hast given this people from Egypt, even until now. And, you know, the Lord says, that's a good point. I forgive them. Um, or however that turned out. But the Lord didn't need to be reminded of that. But Moses needed to be reminded of that. He needed, for his own sake, to say, God, you have called this people. And remember, you are long-suffering and you will accomplish what you said you will do. You know, it was about declaring the faithfulness of God in his people and in your life. Not about the complaints, not about all that, but it was, it's a reminder to yourself, you know, 
and me. God, no, you said you were going to finish this. You said you were going to prefer me. You were going to prefer you. That's what your declaration was. I'm reminding you of that. And don't want to let go of that. And, you know, by doing that, you're standing in the place of that breach, that, that gap that, that, uh, that needs to be filled in. Not by men, but yes, by you and I, so that God can then move and, and really redeem things like He intended it from the beginning. And um, thinking along those lines and along the lines of what something Nelson said and other people have said, um, but to focus it, I've been thinking about just offenses and um, how offenses allow the strong man in here. Um, the strong man is, has to be bound in order for us to be stronger than him. He has to be bound by us and not allowed to just go through here and do whatever he wants to do. You can decide what the strong man is, but it usually is division of some kind or something like that that makes us weaker, makes us less able to rise up together as a people, makes us less clear in our prayer, makes us less caring, takes the edge off our love, things like that. And at a certain time, about in June, the end of June, I brought an opening and I mentioned in that opening that I had a trouble with offenses in a certain period of time, like every day, I was offended. It was just like, I mean, it was exactly as you've just responded. It was laughable. It was so ridiculous. It happened so many times. And I did not know the source and I did not understand why it was happening at all. I do now, but that's not the subject that I wanted to talk about. I wanted to just focus on offenses because, or being offended. I just want to focus on that, if you don't mind. I mean, it's not a light, light, yippity-skippity subject, but it's still something that needs to be addressed because it does take us out. Uh, I, case in point, Moses did get uh, offended with the people of God and it took him out. He couldn't go into the promised land. He, he got offended with them, even though he had directions from God how to get the water from the rock. He did it another way in his fury or his, uh, his offense. He was just offended. So it took him out eventually. Great, great to know that he didn't always do that. And he, he had a good record of not doing that, but he still did it anyway. Um, and, and my point is that offenses turn into uglier things than we know if we aren't forgiving. And I know that we say we should be forgiving, we should be forgive and all that. We do say that, but the act of forgiving is quite difficult at times. It's not always easy. It's not always snap your fingers and you forgive. Like we have the children rehearse forgiving. Um, they get offended in their way. They even get stopped. Like um, a little boy, I won't mention any names, uh, was, he didn't want to even have snack. He was 
so offended by something. And wasn't just, he wasn't demonstrating his offense in any other way than he just wasn't hungry. And as soon as that was worked out between him and the, another boy, he had a snack and everything was back to normal. But the, it robs uh, all the, even the little offenses. That's one way we could really protect the younger people is to get into the midst and if there is any offense like that that comes up, just work it out between them so that they don't get hit and under it and you know, wandering around, what, why do I feel so different? <laughs> and that's just not necessary if we were good coverings for the children that way. Um, anyway, that's just a small thing, but what, when you become adults, it's different because there's, um, you have lots of work to do here, just raising families and going to business and doing all kinds of things that take your energy and your time, and so do I. And um, so we sometimes get lax in examining ourselves and seeing if we're okay. If we have cleaned our slate for the day or if we have held anything or anything like that. And um, if we, I'm talking about holding offenses, not just, not just uh, um, being offended. Oh, oh, I know I'm offended. I guess. No, I mean holding offenses. This is what I'm looking at. Um, and if we allow them to remain and feed them, say, I'm justified, I'm justified, I'm justified in this offense. They begin to inform our choices. Our choices socially, who we get together with, don't get together with, um, who's a friend, like, Maybe the offense was they, didn't, they weren't on your side in something, or they didn't do what you wanted them to do some one time. And it could be anything like that. It's just examining it really before the Lord takes care of it if you really stay long enough on it and, take, and look at it and know what the offense is and say, no, it's, it's over on that. Um, who is a member of the body and who isn't? Believe me because they didn't do something that was their corporate duty to do. I mean, that's ridiculous. Offense because of that. Somebody who's corporate or not corporate because of, of some misdemeanor. It's a heavy judgment for a little slip or a forgetfulness or not knowing, not knowing something that we might take for granted. Um, and then who's, who's an elder or a deacon? It can inform your choices about that. That didn't like, you don't like their counsel, you don't like their ministry to you, you, you don't like their voice, you don't like the way they present things, you didn't, didn't qualify to talk to you in that capacity. You, you, you just got a bad grade. And so you are... You don't qualify. <laughs> That's that. It is, it, I mean, it's only offense. If you can boil it down to that and know that you're just offended, you're being worked by the fiery darts of the enemy, and you, you need to stop it, put that fire out as fast as you can. Because it informs your intellect where you're making choices about people here and things here and functions here and that kind of thing. I, I find that, that, is, uh, that is very subtle. Uh, 
And I don't know that you can keep track of all the fences that actually happen in a day, but you can, certainly, when you rest, like Renee was speaking and singing about, when you take time to rest and be still before the Lord, you know that it'll come up and you'll be able to see it, I'll be able to see it. Every, the light of the Lord is very clear. Um, anyway, they, they tear at the fabric of the body, offenses do the potential unity we're aiming for, the ability to be vulnerable and loving yourself, let your walls down, be able to be free with people, love everybody. It, it sounds like that's impossible, it's not, it's not. And I don't mean in a general sense, I mean specifically where no one offends you and no, nothing stands between you and them and your exchanges. And the Lord tests that out. I did, I didn't just study this sword. I waited till I walked in it in a while. I wanted to see just how bad off I was. <laughs> and it was, it was edifying. It was an edifying experience because I do feel so much freer in that sense. But there's an ancient Chinese maxim that says, that if you are out for vengeance, dig two graves, yours and the other person. Because... Uh, a vengeance is what offenses develop into if you hold them. You want vengeance. You want that righted by something to happen to that person. You might as well dig two graves because you're hurting yourself. There's, I saw a modern, that was an ancient thing. This is a modern meme I saw where the father was looking down at a child and he was holding a donut. And he said to the child, what's the magic word to get what you want? And the child says, I'm offended. And that was, I mean, <laughs> that is exactly, exactly why you have all these protections and safe places and nookie nookies and little stuffed animals and everybody has to be comforted and please don't trigger me and oh my gosh it's because they don't know what to do about their offendedness they don't have really regard it's, it's horrible in college they're doing that not just little elementary even the elementary would despise that but anyway the potential for, oh, I looked in the, I looked in the Webster's 1828 and there was a fence and then right after a fence was the offering, the word offering. So you had the word offense and then the word offering and that made me sit up and notice, you know, right next to each other in the dictionary. Right there, ready to stop you from making the offering to influence you, to inform your choice, to make you be reasonable, to not get to be totally given to it, to modify, to all those things. Our offenses do that. Anything that we've held, anything that we've decided, no, that's just too much. No, I don't want to look like that. No, I don't want to give myself fully. No, you know, all the little hedges and the little things, you know, you, do you know, am I in the same family that I, I think we all, do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, good. Anyway, so the potential for offense comes first. I, I derive that from, nobody, I just derived that from that little circumstance in the dictionary, but 
But, but it really is true. It bears true because the Lord said, you, I, I, you will be offended by me. And he's the, he's the first thing you, first one you encounter. You encounter him first and your, your choices are to listen to him or be offended. To come under and, and be, you know, very attentive and vulnerable to him or not. And so that, he said that. I'm a rock of offense, a stone of stumbling. I'm right there. But if we get past that, then we have the potential to offer ourselves without any restraint or that kind of thing. We can be full of faith when we do it. Anyway, the Lord advocated working against offense by, uh, he said, to walk another mile when you just walk one mile. And that was a law, like if a Roman said, walk, walk another mile, walk a mile with me and carry my pack, I'm tired. You had to do it or go to jail. And so that, that meant if you were going in another direction, you had to put down all your stuff, you had to put down all your plans, you had to put down everything. You couldn't, we didn't have cell phones and those things, <coughs> so you couldn't call ahead to tell people that were expecting you to come, you, you, that you weren't gonna make it. You're going to be late or you're not going to make it at all. And so that, that would be a hardship. Our agenda completely wiped out anyway. And then the Lord said, well, to combat the potential for offense, but ha having to do that, go another mile. That will deal with it. That will deal with it. Go extra, extend into it, go with it, go right into it, and go further. And that, to me, was great for an antidote to what afflicted me. Because I understood, I understood, you know, that we should be servants, and that would be a way of offering yourself, of course, and giving your life that way. But to have it be an antidote to being offended, that was a new thing to me. A new thought. If you're sued at the law, for your coat, give him your cloak also. If you don't resist evil, if he slaps you across the face, how offensive is that? I don't know. I've been slapped across the face once, and it was very offensive. But you're supposed to, you're supposed to turn your... You can have him do it again. I mean, I don't think you have to instruct him, but... Turn your cheek and don't resist it is the point. And that is an antidote to offense. Saying that the offense that can rise in you is worse than the act of flapping you. It's worse. What it does to you and what would happen. Then the Lord advocated, if your foot offends you, cut it off. If your hand offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, cut it off. I never understood that at all. How your hand, independently of you, just, well, I'm going to go do something that offends Diana. <laughs> Why, you stupid hand, you're going to get it. <laughs> I could never understand that. But I understand it now because of the extremity of offense to take us out. Out. Completely out. The lack of forgiveness that is resident and keeping the offense to take us out, completely out, with no recourse and no way to the throne of grace. 
So I just thought that an extreme measure had to be put out there by the Lord to counterbalance that and to emphasize that, that it was so bad that as soon as you get offended, cut it off. As soon as you get offended, recognize it and cut it off. If you don't recognize it, there's still time. Don't worry. You'll get, you'll get, <laughs> you'll, I mean, I'm not saying you're going to, but it, to me, it was helpful. And it helped the fact that I didn't have any control over my hand, foot, or eye. And they were going to go off and be offending and stuff. Anyway, all the pagan neighbors were doing that. Anyway, they were going out and finding someone who stole and cutting their hand off. You know, somebody who was kicking a dog, cutting his foot. You know, they still do that today. They cut off the appendages of people that have broken a law. The Muslims do. Anyway, but what we're doing is what offends us. That's <coughs> the thing that's being cut off. That's the thing that's being cut. Anyway, there are lots of temptations and offenses. And, you know, if, you wanna, if you're really feeling tired, you want to be energized, get upset about something. <laughs> You'll be raring to go. Anyway... The Lord advocated, love your enemies. Like we sing a song, do good to those that are good. Uh-uh, sorry. <laughs> love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Those are all offensive things. We are offended by those things. We can avoid those things. We can skirt around those things and those people, but we're not going to be one if we do that. We're not going to be one if we do that. The last thing I want to address, it's inevitable that offenses come, but woe to them by whom offenses come. That always bothered me because I'm offensive. And I was going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, uh, you know what I mean. And I don't necessarily know how to be unoffensive unless uh, that's worked in me which I'm certainly asking the Lord for but <coughs> the word for that particular offense is scandalizo and that is a deliberate offense it's referring to the stick put in a trap the very stick scandalizo is the stick put in a trap you know like you hold up this little box whatever cage with the stick the animal goes in, knocks it out, and is trapped. That is the deliberate, scandalizing offense that really we have to understand God orders, really. That it, that it just is so bad that we cannot reconcile, we cannot get ourselves together, we can't... But he orders it because he wants us to come to him about even that. Something that's so over the top, so wide, so long, so... He's even bigger than that. And he wants us to walk through that and find out that, in fact, he is bigger than that. And feel the great flood of forgiveness inside as a result of having gone to him. Because that's the only place we're going to be able to do some of the forgiving that we're going to have to do. Anyway, 
there's a hierarchy of, of offenses, like there's some that are little offenses, like I said, with the children, and, and it seems little to us, but it's not little to them. And then it gets more and more complicated, and it's much more subtle, and there's all kinds of variations, and it's, but it's very subtle, and it's something that you feel is right, and you feel, by God, I know what's right and wrong here, and, and I'm going to be judging these people on this basis of what I think, and, you know, blah, 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 and it's, it goes on and on and on. But it's something that we absolutely should expunge from this place, from ourselves, as, and do, 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 do diligence to make sure that we are. We have the grace poured out, mercy poured out. We have everything we need to win this war. And um, I do feel that that is something we need to do in, in order to fulfill what uh, Richard was talking about, along with the intercession and what um, Fabian was saying, and a number of people have been saying. Thank you very much. Diana was saying, um, what I jumped to mind when Richard was talking was, I've been thinking about it for a little while, is the importance of treating each other the way, um, treating each other how, how and who we are called to be rather than what we are demonstrating at any particular moment. Um, the, the scripture that came to mind is, is God sees the things that are not as though they are. And how oftentimes, you know, he does that with us. He sees us who we are to be and who are we, we are becoming rather than what we demonstrate at any, on any given day, most given days actually. And the importance of when each other, <clears throat> no, not each other, when one of us or m many of us are demonstrating things other than what we're called to be, to not respond in, in kind or on the basis of what that person is demonstrating, but treat them as though, um, treat them as though they are who they are called, who are who they are called to be, and who they are becoming. Um, it's difficult to do. Um, I'm not to say it's not to say that we should just bury our heads in the sand. Um, the Lord knows how to meet the specific needs that we have in our heart, and if we're connected to the Spirit, we can we can be connected to what he has specifically directed for, for people. But it's very easy, I think, to, um, when we are offended, to, uh, to respond to, that, to an individual on the basis of who they are rather than who they're, who they're becoming and who they're called to be. And that only perpetuates the, the cycle of offense more. And, um, and all on those lines, too, um, it's very easy to think that our view is the right view, um, is God's view. And, and so I think we should also you know, hold our opinions. It's not that what we don't, don't see isn't very real and isn't part of the picture, but I've been fortunate, fortunate in my life to feel very strongly about things and come, come in swinging hard and been embarrassed by how wrong I was. And, and it was a good lesson to, to just realize that maybe you just don't know what's going on all the time, Patrick. 
And, and um, it's important because on any given moment when we see something that is offensive, it's very easy, like Diana said, to start building, start feeding that offense and building a narrative around it. And, and uh, it gets this whole ecosystem and life of its own. And um, it's on the basis of limited information. And um, so to hold those views, it's not to say that we don't see things, we don't interpret things, and we don't develop you know, a view about things, but to just hold those things lightly and realize that maybe this isn't God's view, this is just my view, or maybe it is God's view, but it's just a part, like I'm a part of the body. I'm not 100% God, I'm, I'm just a specific member in his body and I have something to offer, but it's not the entirety of what's going on. So that's kind of what I've been thinking about, but especially just how we treat each other, to treat each other when we're offended, um, not in the way that we are being, but in the way that we're becoming. Well, is it any surprise that we're offended so many times? It shouldn't be because it says offenses must come. And I have come to realize if I'm never offended, that means you guys are perfect. Because I always put it on you rather than on me. And I know I have a lot of problems. I have weaknesses. I have things that I'm dealing with. And because I do, I know you do too. And can I hold it against you that you have the same weaknesses that I have? But yet we do. And when I get offended, I spend all my time thinking of all the things that you did wrong and the, the, the perspective that you had and the actions that you took rather than what I took. But really, you know, like Diana was saying, it just goes on and on and on. and yeah, 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 yeah. It never stops. But my concern should not be what you did to me, but my response to what happened. Because that's the bigger problem for me as far as I'm concerned. And also, rather than being concerned about being offended, my concern should be, am I offending? And she did bring that, that up in um, verse, let's see, Matthew 18, verse 6, it says, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, and the little ones doesn't have to be just children, it's those that have come to the Lord. Who shall offend one of those? That means you and me. If we offend like that, it would be better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Do we ever put that on ourselves when we know we've offended? Instead, we try to excuse ourselves. And this thing about offense has been a, a big thing in my life because for a long time, one of my very favorite scriptures has been sort of a, a gotcha scripture and a scripture that doesn't seem to be even possible to live up to. It's in Matthew one nine. I'm sorry, Psalm one nineteen, verse one hundred sixty-five. Yes, this is a hard one. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall offend them. Every day when something happens, and I find myself feeling a little bit self-righteous, or like, wow, they shouldn't have said that to me. You know, we try to cloak offense as though we're not offended, at least I do, because I hate to admit that I'm offended because I know it means I have a problem with God. And it's, I try to dress it up into nicer words. Well, you know, this person, they just don't understand. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if somebody offends me and they're totally wrong. 
that's that, my problem is am I offended because I can't get around this great peace have they which love thy law and nothing 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 will offend them now I'm kind of offended that we hear the same uh, people generally this has been good but I am wondering in all seriousness like we we've heard it before that's what I feel if anybody who does not normally speak, you should not need to be uh, invited. But please, if just another voice sometimes, we're talking about sealing the breaches, you know, and what offenses is certainly, you know, part of it. Anybody else? I'm not looking to shut it down, but I don't think we've heard it all, okay? I was reading, actually thinking somewhat about what Jesse was saying about how often when there's an offense or whatever, it's so easy to see what offended you. And I feel like the restoration should be whatever the issue is being fixed. And I was thinking about how often um, the restoring or the repairing of the breach is often thing that happens in your own heart. And I was reading something the other day and the author said that there is a quote that says that to understand is to forgive, and that is error. Because forgiveness brings understanding, and if it does not, it puts your heart in a place where it is ready to understand. And even if you don't understand, being in a place that is ready to forgive, that is great. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Very good. Great, because I, I was just thinking about readiness myself. So I don't know how we got on offenses so much. Was that the topic? Or was it standing in the gap? I don't know. I, I think they're both tied together, but I did get, I was trying to figure that out for a minute. We got, um, but um, yeah, I was just, during worship tonight, I was just thinking about um, how how am I able to be prepared to be ready to stand in the gap? You and there's been a lot of discussion and a lot of energy from a lot of people about our rules and our standards and you know what's being lost and what's being gained and what's being changed and who cares about this and who cares about that and you know I've been a part of those discussions and you know, it's it's important to to define that. And redefine it, and but it's um, you know, but as much as energy is being put into that, it's got to be put into having your heart in a state of readiness to be able to really want to please God more than more than whack away at any one thing that that really offends you, you know, or really, you know, it's incongruous. Well, there's a big energy on this over here, but these people are doing this over there. And, and I think, you know, I forget the rule was here the other morning. He talked about leaders and, you know, how leaders lead from within, you know, I think is what he said. And, and um, as much as, you know, there could be an act where you respond and you stand in the gap, um, you stand in the gap just by, just by, 
pleasing God just by just by being connected to Him and and leading from a place of being connected. And um, you know, on the readiness side of things, if I think if there's any self-interest in standing in the gap, that offends. You know, if you if you plow into something with an agenda or to be a hero or to correct something that bothers you, you know, that's that's a really good way to be the offender. <laughs> and it's and it can you can you can convince yourself that you're standing in the gap. But really what you're doing is <laughs> you know, you you can be you can be exonerating yourself and I think that, you know, that's really pleasing God and really standing in the gap is having yourself in a place of preparation, a place of uh, connectivity to God, you know, putting your roofs down, not seeing when he comes, you're, you're connected to the source of life. And then you really will, be, you really will respond and to that unction or to that opportunity, you know, if, if that's, if you're, if you're keeping yourself in that place of readiness and like, you know, sometimes you look around, you see people that they always seem like they have life and they always seem like they're in the middle of whatever's going on. And I I think, I think that kind of offering or that kind of, um, you know, standing the gap begets more of it. I think it's like that scripture, uh, about the, you know the par- after I think it follows the parable of the talents where to him has who, to him who has will more be given and to him who doesn't have even what he has will be taken away and that's, that's a really scary verse to me because you know I, I think I've seen myself in both both those situations where I just don't have anything and, and so I don't offer anything and and then it's just like God just waits you know he doesn't he doesn't try and help me out you know. <laughs> He just waits me out, and then and then I've been engaged and involved, and and offering and responding, and and you know just more opportunity comes and more opportunity comes, and and uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think I think that's about the battle I wanted to say, but I think the most important. I mean, there's more of an opportunity now, right now, than ever before, for everyone to each person, each member to stand in the gap. I liked a lot of what Rule said the other morning. He talked about just the contribution of the body. He talked about, you know, leaders are only leaders if they lead, and they lead from within the team. You know, they're not always at the front of the pack or at the back of the pack. You know, they're, they're wherever they need to be along that line. You know, they could be pushing people forward. They could be at the front pioneering the new thing. They could be in the middle encouraging. I just think um, <clears throat> there's, there's so much opportunity. There's, you know... There's never been more opportunity and more need for each member to lead. So, take that over. While someone else is coming, I'm just gonna throw one line. I just, that's exactly what I came with, was that the best way to be a repair of the breach, to fill in the gap, is to be personally rightly related with the Lord. I just feel that is, if you're not rightly related to the Lord, you are a breach in the family. You create an open, you know, for yourself, but you create an open breach. Um, I won't have some stories on that, but the point being the very best way, just what Ben said, to, to keep the, our walls tight, to be ready to re- restore and to be a person who is uh, in a position of just being that way, all in that place, is to be rightly related with the Lord. That's the, that is the number one thing that has to happen in my life.
And when I'm in that place, the rest of the things that outflow to the family happen naturally. <coughs> Very good. I don't speak very often, so maybe I fit into that. <clears throat> That's what I was thinking, too, is on the, the readiness thing. Just, uh, you know, the personal accountability. And what I thought of was uh, over there in Matthew 25, when it talks about, you know, there's the sheep and the goats and, you know, what separates it? What makes you stand over here and you stand over here? And it said, you know, when you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. When you didn't do it unto the least of these, sorry. And that's really the readiness that, you know, the hidden, what you do in the hidden place. And that's, that's kind of where I've been a little bit recently is just, you know, I'm, I'm not around much and, um, you know, miss a lot of stuff, and there's there's great opportunity, and not just me, but anybody. There's great opportunity to be divided, and you get all kinds of help with that. And uh, but it's it's a time when you can recognize that and shut down the gap in yourself that can make you ready to shut down the gap in a, somebody else or maybe something bigger than that. But it really, it's, it starts with, with me. And, you know, am I willing to shut down the gaps in myself before I'll stand in a gap that's maybe a little more visible? And uh, it's, it's really an important thing. And it, it, doesn't get, it doesn't get easier. You know, I think we've all noticed and we've, we've mentioned it that it, it just seems like more and more there's, there's less and less external pressure to conform and to, you know, come up to the line or, you know, be at breakfast or do this or that. There's less pressure that way and it's more of a personal something. I've got to close the gaps inside here because that's obviously that's the most important thing. That's, that's what makes us who we are. And the first thing I thought of when, he, when I saw this, uh, heard about this tonight was uh, the story of David. It's a pretty famous story over there in 1 Samuel 17. But, you know, he, he was a shepherd out in the field and he took some food to his brothers who were fighting the war. And, you know, here comes the battle. It's, it's, it's funny, it's, it's, you know, the Israelites are on this side and there's a valley and the Philistines are on the other side. And uh, Goliath's coming out there, and you know, raising a ruckus. And, you know, he, he puts the whole army, you know, at dis-ease. You know, they're, the whole army scared of him. Here's this one guy out there, you know, raising rabble. And David comes along and said, you know, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He'll defy the armies of God. You know, it's, from all accounts, he's still a teenager. And uh, uh, let's see, in verse 32, it says, David said to Saul, let no, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Now here's a pretty big stage. I mean, you got two armies on the side, and you know this guy is raising a ruckus and you know defying the whole army, putting them in flight. And here's this kid that comes along and says, you know, I'll go take him on. And and when he went to do that, 
you know, he says he ran to do, to do it. He ran to fill that need. But, you know, that didn't start that day. There was something that had gone on before that time. When the lights were on, when the, you know, when he was right in the middle of everything and he was on display and everybody was say, hey, look at this guy. He's killed his thousands and ten thousands and all, you know, singing his praise. But before that, it said, you know, he was out in the field and it says when the lion and the bear came along, he says he grabbed him by his beard and smote him. That's, that's a pretty cool story. But I mean, who was around to see that? I mean, he's probably out there by himself. You know, a bunch of sheep were, you know, they were probably thankful about it. But it wasn't, it wasn't in a big, it wasn't in the big show. It was out there in the field. I mean, he could have run away and said, "Hey, Dad, you know, I'm sorry about your sheep, but this lion was chasing me around. I, you know, I had to go." But no, he he stood in the gap in those places that were hidden, in the hidden place. He stayed there. He kept coming, exercising, filling in the need, um, not not backing off, not not running away from when, when the need arose. And that backlog, that history, that, that um, the, the, the exercise and the sowing that he'd done in the past enabled him to have faith that God was going to back him in this situation where, you know, where he, there was a big deal, had to stand in the gap. Right. And he put, he, you know, turned the whole course of that war. That's where we got to be. That's where I got to be. You know, yeah. when you see the gap, when you see the division, when you see the the angst, when you see the, whatever it is, it comes up in my own mind. God, help me stand in the gap in my life, in my own mind. Fill that gap, that, that gap between what's right and what's wrong, where I should be and what I shouldn't be. What I should be thinking, what I shouldn't be thinking. You know, that gap, that chasm between there, fill that gap. God, fill that gap in myself. And then maybe I'll be ready to help somebody else in their time. down if you're logging it down um, I was thinking about the about the breach you know uh, one of the more prevalent breaches is <clears throat> the space between a mere man and a spiritual man <clears throat> the parable calls it a chasm and, uh, you know, it, it's, we're the ones that have been selected to build the house. And this is the, this is the work field. This is the stack of material, the equipment we have. It's, it's all, it's all right here to work with it. And it's also the place where the, the great offenses can come in that working. Um, you know, in is as as Diana and some of the other ones mentioned that you know it's uh, it's woe to him that causes offense. It would be better better that he tied a millstone to his neck. Now this is causing 
this is causing someone to stumble or to resist them in a point where it's, 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 it's an offense that's discouraging them. And you know, you can probably pick out people, vessels that can choose choice words. And as Fabian started out with, with Moses, he was entreating the Lord by, by the, <clears throat> what they list as the fruits of the Spirit, the patience, mercies, long-suffering. Because it, it takes that in each of us not to cause offense in, in the building the house, in the working with what God has put before us to work with. This is His program and, and, and we're the vessels that are called to do it. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I read through, uh, well, I was reading through, through Paul, and Paul, you know, he, he, he puts it, he has it two ways here. <clears throat> you know, one of them is here in, in, in Philippians 3, where it says, uh, I think that's where it is. <clears throat> Not as though I had already attained it, either were already perfect, but I follow after it, if I may apprehend that for which I was apprehended by, Jesus, by Christ Jesus. Um, <clears throat> brother, and I count not myself as having apprehended, but this one thing I do, forget those things which are behind and reaching forward to what's ahead, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. And uh, anyhow, this is the... This is the roadway that's before him. He's, he's laying it out. He hasn't, he hasn't made it down that road yet. Um, he, he's, not, he's, not a perfect, he's not a perfect vessel. He's not complete. But he's pressing hard towards that mark. And it, it takes that in each one of us. And we need to coax that out of each other. That's, that's what we're here for. We're here to, to, to just to entreat and to draw that out of each other and to, to, to build the house up uh, with, that, with that patience and that long-suffering. In other words, to, to see a vessel for what they're called to be in a given area that's one of their shortcoming areas. And I think we can probably, each of us, we can probably pick them out of the Pick them out of the crowd. We can probably name our own. <coughs> but somehow God's going to work it. That with patience and long suffering, we're going to prove that out. That we're going to bring forth a perfect vessel and we're going to eliminate that, that breach between the mirror and the spiritual. Um, in, I'm in Second Corinthians six. Anyhow, you know, Paul he, he 
he, ma he mapped out the way he was going. I mean, God, God put it so much in his heart, and that was been, <clears throat> that was quite a light that struck him down along the road. That I mean, it was, it was a transformation that he never did look back. And uh, <clears throat> here he, here he's entreating the troubled Corinthians, and he said. Uh, I'll bounce down through here a little bit, but uh, we then, as work, as workers together with Him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. In other words, he's, he's a worker. He's this is the project that God put before him, the Corinthians. And uh, for he said, for he said that I have heard thee in the time accepted and in the day of salvation. I have scoured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things, approving ourselves as ministry of God in much patience and affections and necessities and distresses and stripes and imprisonments and turmoils and labors and watchings Fastings, pureness, and knowledge, and long sufferings, and uh, I'm gonna. But he he's he, he's given no offense to them. He's 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 not causing any of them to stumble by the way he sees them because they're they're a mess. And and, and now if you read down through all this. The battlefield that Paul walked in, which it's it's quite massive and quite intense, and it just is it whittles you down to nothing. But he counts this all as giving no offense. He was, uh, you know, in a lot of this a lot of this stuff here, he could have he could have he could have gone another way. He, he, he could have not been patient or whatever it is. I mean, he, that's enough. You know, he could have. But it was the spirit that was prodding him to produce all this whole list of stuff here that it took not to offend a vessel that he might win, a, win that soul in Christ. It, it, it took this whole list of stuff here. This is good for you to read through because this, this, this is the pathway that was before him. It's before each of us. It's, 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 <laughs> it's there. But with words of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceived and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as pure yet making as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. O Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. He... He, 
served himself on a platter to him. And he took all the stripes of criticisms and distractions and whatever all it was that was out of order with patience towards a view of what God was calling him to make them. And, and that's what it's all about for each of us here with the stack of lumber that God has given us to work with, the power of dirty dishes or whatever it is, however you want to look at it, you know what? We're part of making it all shine without an offense cause. So buckle up. The road's ahead of us. Yep. I don't, I don't really have anything to give you. I'll just tell you my own experience. <clears throat> but I have found that our situation with my wife and I <clears throat> has brought certain things that I have no control to turn around or to refuse. So more often than not, I find this impatient, sometimes impetuance, petulance, sometimes temperamental, angry, if you will, person has to say, uh, <clears throat> Lord, I, I, I need this. And that tribulation work at patience. And I find myself saying and turning to my wife and saying, you know, I really need this because I need patience. And through whatever source, whatever things we, this is like a, I think this is just a, a stage that we have entered in our growth period that's very important and that we enter into these tribulations and we develop that patience. I think for me, Ron's got the word of the Lord for me, all the qualities that Paul had, they were developed in tribulation and through tribulation. And because he was probably pressed to the place where, uh, you know, God, what are you doing to me? Uh, I had a conversation with someone a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, if you want to learn what an honest and open heart before the Lord is like, just get yourself in a place where you're really not very happy with this program. And I can tell you on any given day, if <clears throat> there are many of us that are not very pleased with his program and what he's doing, that's where you start. You start telling him exactly how you feel because that's an honest heart before the Lord. He's able to work with that. He's not able to work with someone that shines stuff on over and over and tamps for years. And then one day you're either gone or you just miss out entirely on your inheritance because you're not putting forth an honest heart before the Lord. And believe me, he's there to turn those things around and the way you feel. My worst times have been the strongest times. The most grace that I've ever received in my life before the Lord is because uh, I have faced, you know, the situation and said, 
I can't, I can't handle this. You have to help me. But it's in a way where you're just, you're making yourself just lay bare before the Lord of what you really are. But uh, this thing about <clears throat> what Paul went through, it's because tribulation worketh that patience, and it works all the other qualities with it in the meantime. While we were uh, sharing here, we got a text from, um, phone call and a text from Debbie McPeak asking for prayer. Or just, there's a fire happening out of Nistler heading towards she was concerned it's heading it out of control towards her section of town. Anyway, and in the spirit, there might be some fires coming our way. So let's let's um, let's draw together. Okay, been a good night. If you have something more to say um, or you would like to say, we 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 don't have to conclude this tonight. We can we can continue. So thank you for sharing from the heart tonight and it was a good uh, good worship and good way to end there with that, that song you could just I felt a burden for Donna tonight um, any up any update are they she's still in the hospital correct? Yeah. yeah she's doing better she's had a couple of dialysis sessions maybe a third one today wow and she's doing a lot better she's um, feeling better wrapped tight is back He's more alert, and has a little more strain. So he's looking a lot more normal. Jeez. Uh, so probably they need to get her out by the end of the week into a, a rehab center for okay. more rehab yeah. and treatment. Well, wow. Lord does good work when he when he uh, wants to move. That was a song that all all things in his timing tonight, and that was. Very significant. Um, he has a season, and when it's the time, and he just he executes, ready or not. Lord, we thank you for this night. We look to you for each need, Lord, and thank you for that good report for Donna. We do remind you of Kathy and Amaris again, Lord. Um, Baranowski family. Even now, we ask for Rebecca that you would touch her through this. Uh, situation with her kidneys we asked you lord for that fire that you would uh, to turn it lord help uh, let it come under control we thank you lord for keeping us safe lord we just keep our eyes upon you in jesus name amen